Welcome into the newest episode of Side Mission. Like always, I'm your host, Rakelis, joined by all three of the boys, Kyle, Matt, and Thacker. And today, we found ourselves kind of in a Nintendo-y situation. We needed content, we didn't have any, so we decided we put out a half-baked episode. I'm just kidding, Matt, it's okay. <laughs> no, instead, no, we, we decided that we wanted to do something a little bit different, so we put out a post a little while ago on our Twitter and on our Facebook uh, asking what questions you guys would like to hear us answer. And I, 100%, depending on how this episode goes, it could go horribly, it could go amazingly. Who knows when all four of us are involved? Who who knows how this will go? I would love to do this again, depending on how this goes. So if you have any questions you would like to ask us, feel free to either comment on this episode, comment on our Facebook, on Twitter. You can do it through TikTok. You can send any of us a message. Uh, because these were actually, we got six total questions, and these are all actually, like, I, I think these are all, for the most part, really good questions. So, without further ado, let's get into the first one. Kyle, I'm going to start with you on this one because I think me and you have actually talked about this topic several... In fact, I think all four of us have talked about this topic before. Uh, this is from Ray, and it's the question was, talk about the rise and potential downfall of open-world games. Games like GTA and Elder Scrolls made it a widespread phenomenon when they you know, first launched, but as the years have gone by, more games use it as a gimmick rather than a core feature. So that is a great place to start because I think we've actually all talked about this. Kyle, uh, your thoughts, because we've talked about how open world games, sometimes they don't always benefit from being open world. And I know that you've, you feel pretty much the same as I do about that. Yeah, I think that honestly, the gimmick of having your, you know, I think long running franchise like Zelda and Sonic being like, oh, hey, it's open world. It's yeah, I think it's interesting for you know some games to kind of try and do that to switch it up but also it's being done so much to the point to where i believe that it definitely could be oversaturating the market with open world games and we're not getting as many like <laughs> it's funny we've been playing plague tale yep I was just and thinking it's that. not open world. It's very linear. It's narrative driven, and it's so good. It, the, your game does not need to be open world to be fun. There's plenty of things to explore in linear narrative driven games. I definitely think not every franchise needs to be open world to necessarily switch up. You know what they've been doing. Um, if you want to bring a franchise back, or if you want to breathe some fresh air into it maybe look at going some different routes taking you know maybe some more mature tones with the series or you know possibly introducing yeah. new characters like ratchet and clank did you don't need you know an open world for your games yeah one thing when it comes to open world games is this just used to be something that i i loved when they announced that there's going to be an open world game so like when i heard about it from breath of the wild i was like okay so nintendo's not really known for doing something like this because a lot of previous Zelda games were, you know, tended to be in an open world structure, but they were in their own sense linear. Um, but for me, when it comes to open world games, Ubisoft is the problem that I have with these because yes. I've talked about this before in the past. Ubisoft has a formula that is outdated when it comes to their structure of how they do their open worlds, going far as, as back as uh, the first Assassin's Creed, which they definitely worked and fixed up on it with uh, when they did Assassin's Creed Two. But now that we are so many Assassin's Creed games in there, they're just continuing to, 
you know, create giant worlds with beautiful vistas, don't get me wrong, and like with these current gen systems, the graphics are fantastic, but they're so empty, they're so barren, you're just running around finding these enemy camps and just, you know, killing them all, collecting items, but they don't really provide that much to you outside of just, you know, if you love exploring. And when it yeah. comes to uh, when it comes to this kind of thing, I, I see like this whole collectathon thing where it's like we have a giant map. We're just going to scatter like all these collectibles around it. And it's in my opinion, it doesn't really make it fun. Uh, a great example of that was Assassin's Creed 2 when you're trying to find the uh, some feathers. Yes. Like, they're not really listed. So honestly, go onto a current gen game that's open world, pull it up, show like all the different icons and you're just completely like overwhelmed by how much there is to do so i i've gotten to that point where all i do is i just work you know on on story stuff like what i want to talk about with breath of the wild at least it's like when you discover something new there is a sense of exploration that breath of the wild does and i hope to see sonic frontiers is able to do a great open world as well and i mean i will say when it comes to ubisoft they did rise of the phoenix which i thought was actually a really well done open world because all the environments look different with you know different enemy types and like there's actual like puzzles and stuff with located within them and it didn't just feel like i have to climb this tower and scout the area out and then just start like you know finding just the, these pointless little locations but yeah that's pretty much how you know i feel about them at the time and matt you're completely right just to kind of touch up on the two examples we got in this question uh gta skyrim like those two games being huge open world it's a little breathtaking yes but at the same time also completely overwhelming um companies that do this that make their games open world it does bring a sense of wonder of what they're going to do to it but at the same time it's also as it was put, another gimmick just to get people to want to go out and see what it is. Uh, yeah. It's it's crazy to actually think how many games there are out there that are quote-unquote open world, but in reality aren't. Uh, think about previously this year. Legends Arceus said it was an open world-esque game, and there were areas in it that when you tried to explore or go past, it was like, there's there's some force stopping you turning you around it's it's crazy to think about that kind of stuff yeah i think that my biggest question mark when it comes to open world games and i i i agree with thacker there that you know if a game is going to claim to be open world invisible barriers invisible walls they don't need to be there that's the biggest thing is let me explore this big open world that you've created but my biggest thing and I think I said this when you know we started on this question was, does being open world make your game better? Does it make it a better game? And I'm going to give an, an example here that might be somewhat controversial. A game that I loved a couple years ago that was open world and that you know two of us, myself not included, have gone on to platinum since this game was released. I thought Spider-Man Miles Morales was a fantastic game despite its flaw and how short it was. I don't think that being open world really enhanced it all that much. And I think that it was a cool open world. It felt very much like Harlem, New York. It felt very much like that. But it didn't exactly enhance the feel of the gameplay. It didn't really do anything to change anything. 
And as Kyle put, I mean, we're playing through Plague Tale right now. That's a game that's as linear as can be with, you know, small pockets. I'm late game, so forgive me for knowing a little bit more. With small pockets of there being a little bit more bigger areas to explore. Same thing with a game like Last, The Last of Us franchise. That game is very linear. You can explore, but it's very limited. But yet, it doesn't have to be open world for it to be good. So, open world games for sure have become more of a gimmick. I think that you look at a... Uh, Look at a franchise like Grand Theft Auto. Grand Theft Auto almost has to be open world. Open world is still a necessary factor in some games, and it's a lot of game development today. Grand Theft Auto is one of them. That needs to be open world. Red Dead Redemption needs to be open world. The Elder Scrolls series needs to be open world. But I feel like Ray is spot on where it has become a gimmick, more so than a core feature, and I think that that's very accurately put. So, on to the next question, and this is one uh, that Matt, I think... This is a great place to start with you. This is from Ashton, and he's got a couple questions for us. Or no, he only has one. Okay, I'm, I'm reading the questions, and I had a stupid moment. He's only got one. Uh, let's talk about our most underrated games of this year so far, because we are getting into that time of the year where we start to discuss game of the year. We start to discuss our top tens. And even though we really discuss our top tens year-round, and that's maybe a curse as much as it is a good thing, uh, what, what do you think the most underrated game of the year is? Because I have two answers here. My answers, and I feel like there's there's not a wrong answer, but I feel like if you're talking about most underrated games, I feel like we've got to start with either Stray, because that game was fantastic and it had no right to be, and I feel like Metal Hellsinger is up there as well. Okay, so there's actually a game that I played just here recently that was free on PlayStation uh, Plus that okay. um, I don't think a lot of people actually played it. Like I didn't see a lot of advertisement for it. Um, in fact, th what's funny is I actually found out this game's existence because uh, Sackboy had some new skins for the Sackboy that were actually from this game. So I decided to kind of check it out. It's called Toem. I think I'm pronouncing that right. I It's it's, it's kind of a, a short little indie game. Um, Shu off of Twitter, one of the uh, lead uh, presidents over at uh, Sony of Japan, actually was talking, uh, tweeting about it. So it's one, another thing that caught my interest. I decided to give it a try and um it's actually really really well made like it's not a big game like it's definitely not a big triple a game but the art style the cartoony characters the, the the puzzle solving in this game was really really brilliantly done and like it was a it was a fun game to platinum just like i had this thing where it's like when you take pictures in games not just like where you have the, uh, you, you know, you, you select certain buttons to get a camera out, but like the main character, he does have a camera and you can cause things to happen, take pictures of them to complete quests. Um, so I, I actually would say that this is probably a, a an uh, overlooked game. Cause what I was the name of it? What was the name of it you said? Yeah, it's called Toem. Okay. And it was on yeah. PlayStation Plus. Yeah, so on PlayStation Plus, I still think it's currently free at the moment. So if y'all, you know, if you haven't gotten to play it yet, I'd definitely check it out. I have never heard of it. That's wild. That's I might have to go look through that actually. Um, personally, for me, um, it's it's kind of a toss up. Uh, Rusty, one of them is one that you already said, Metal Hellsinger for yes, sure. Yes, absolutely. That game, when it got announced, it was one that looked really interesting. Didn't really see much, uh, didn't see it going very far, but I thought for the concept of it, it was super interesting and wanted to try it. Mm -hmm. It definitely, in my opinion, is underrated. 
for this year. Um, other than that, I've it's my other top my other one that's kind of tied with it is one that just recently came out. Uh, for anyone who plays, the you better not day, say like, scorn. You better not say scorn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Rusty. I got to do it. Shout out to Jimmy. No, no, you better not say scorn. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not scorn. It's not scorn. Um, for anyone who plays the Dead by Daylight's games, they've probably heard of it. It's the Dragon Ball the Breakers game. You've told me about this. Okay. Um, it's one that. For anyone in the anime community or the Dragon Ball Z community, they knew this game was coming out. They knew how big this game was going to be. But I don't think anyone actually expected it to have the price tag it did. If if you guys had a guess, what would you say the price tag on this game was? Was it under 60? It was under 60. I'm going to say 30 bucks then. Okay. Um you would actually be correct. It was a $30 game. Okay, I had no idea, so I just guessed. <laughs> Yeah, no, you're good. For both PlayStation 4 and for the Switch. I haven't seen it on Xbox yet, not to say it isn't, but it was one that when it came out, I was... And keep in mind, 30 bucks for the special edition, all right? Yeah. Um, It came out, and I picked it up just thinking, you know what, it's something I can play on the Switch, I can play on the go, not a big deal. I have thoroughly enjoyed it. The way they have actually gone through... And uh, they've gone through to actually give everyone an equal chance to be not only the, in this case, the raider or the killer, but to also give you the chance to be the survivor to go through and take what you need. Uh, it was definitely an interesting game. I I just want to get back into playing some of it before my time is completely consumed with Mario Rabbids and everything else coming up. Facts. <laughs> so we have had actually a lot of underrated games come out this year. We've had quite a few, including Stray and Metal Hellsing are some of my favorite indie games that come out this year. Um, but to me, my most underrated game was actually one that came out at the very beginning of the year. And it caused me to actually become a fan of this franchise and go back and play the first two games. And it was Shadow Warrior 3. Okay, yeah, you've told me about this as well. Okay. That game was... It was like a mix of Doom and, you know, kind of old Japanese uh, um, aesthetic where you had a plethora of weapons and all these different ways you could take down enemies and do these really brutal, you know, uh, kills with them. And honestly, it was just such a wacky, fun, but yet short game that it actually made me download the first two games and start playing them. And that game was, I think, highly slept on this year because it's like nobody, nobody really remembers it, I think especially after the year we've had. And yes. by the end of the year, I mean, unfortunately, these games that come out towards the beginning of the year kind of get slept on by the end when we have our big holiday releases. But, yeah, that's that's my most underrated game. I stick to what I said. I think Metal House Singer's certainly up there because, I mean, a rhythm first-person shooter that plays at the speed of Doom, I mean, it was executed so perfectly. And it sounds like something like that, it sounds like it shouldn't work. But yet it found it found some way to work perfectly. And then Stray, of course, I mean, a game where you play as a freaking cat, 
That has no business being good. That has no business at all being good. Not a single word of English is spoken the entire time. And yet it manages to tell an emotional story that by the end, like, you know, I, I, I saw the ending so many times because obviously, Kyle, we've played through it so many times. Uh, and it always hits. So I think that that's really impressive when a game is able to do that. So that's a good question from Ashton. Uh, this next one, and I hope y'all are ready with this next one to talk about some Pokemon. So this is from Jacob, and he has got multiple questions for us. The first one is, and I think we might modify this question a little bit because obviously we don't know much about the starters in Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Uh, so, which starter are you guys each going with? We're going to start with you, Thacker. What starter are you going with, and what starter do you think will end up being the best overall starter? So, that's actually a super interesting one for me. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of... Uh, Ah, uh, the name is skipping me now. Which one? Uh, Quaxley. Quaxley. Uh, Quaxley's all right. I've, I, I, I haven't been impressed by the design. Like, Quaxley, I feel like it's an interesting concept. I, I'm glad we're getting another duck Pokemon, but at the same time, I, Quaxley, unless, my biggest issue right now is it looks like a knockoff Donald Duck. <laughs> I see that. Um, and my issue with that is I feel like if it learns any kind of healing technique or healing move, I'm not I'm not even worrying about it. It's not going to be any use. Uh, <laughs> but honestly, I'm really torn between uh, Brigatito and Fuecoco. But I'm being the uh, since Gen 1, I'm probably still going to go with uh, Fuecoco. Yeah, I do like Fuecoco's design. Um, now as for, and you said the follow-up question that was, which starter do I believe is what? Which starter we end up will actually be, end up being the best in the long run. I think that for me in Sword and Shield, I always felt like the best, whether it was design or potential moveset, I always felt like the answer was either, uh, Grookey or, uh, Sobble. I felt like those two were pretty versatile, with what they could end up learning, but this one will be interesting for sure when you look at the typings and everything. I agree with that. I feel like my biggest fear right now is Sprigatito or Sprigatito being bipedal instead of staying quadpedal. Um, okay. Nintendo's notorious for something like that, but uh, that's one of my biggest fears. I think overall best design and ability, meaning like move sets and everything i'm really scared it's gonna be quaxley yeah there's a chance I'm it really, could be i'm really scared it's gonna be quaxley who the fuck is that <laughs> <laughs> that is the, the best answer that is the best answer <laughs> to any of these questions that is the best one <laughs> So I'm probably gonna go with the water type because I don't know any. Fucking Quaxley. That's Quaxley. Yeah. That's My boy Quaxley. So right. from the sounds of it, he's probably a duck. And I mean, honestly, <laughs> I haven't looked at like any of the sorters for this game, That's but fair. like 15 times in the chat. But I <laughs> five seconds later. Um, That's true. But yeah, I'm probably gonna go with the water type just because I don't think I have picked a water type 
since fucking what was it? Did you pick Sabo? Uh, you picked. You picked oh, wait, no, Sabo. Yeah, I did pick Sabo. You picked yeah, Sabo. No, yeah. no, I don't actually. So we're retconning that. Um, I we're didn't. No, that, that was disgusting. Did you see the final evolution for Sabo? Inteleon. Inteleon's final. Uh, that was. I was not happy with Inteleon or Cinderace when it came to their. That was so gross. I'm not gonna lie. I did not like the final, you know, evolution. However, Inteleon had this one move that like snipe shot snipe people yep and that shit was op but i mean other than that no i uh i disowned inteleon uh, totodile was the only water type i've ever picked i will say because thacker's co-worker <laughs> david did ask us this question about which gen 2 starter was the best and i think that totodile is 100 percent the answer there for alligator is badass yes i could, oh, I could yeah. have gone without mag uh meganium yeah, Meganium is a really poor design, in my opinion. Mm, yeah. <laughs> For me, um, I'm going to go with Flicuoco because of the fact that, like, so I'm pretty sure maybe some people put two and two together. But um, so from some hearings that I've, I've, I've heard around uh, with some, some leaks, not trying to give out any leaks or because, you know, against your own free will. But... Um, <laughs> So someone mentioned that uh, Legends Arceus actually the second typings of the starters that we got in that game were actually going to be the same ones that we're going to get in Scarlet and Violet. So I think about if Fuecoco ends up t turning into a fire ghost type because I get the whole theme that they're going with because like they always try to give a theme to Pokemon. Like with Cinderace, we had you know a um, we had a football. No, excuse me, a soccer player. Wow! <laughs> hey, 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 listen, listen, listen. To be fair, to be fair, Matt's not 100% wrong. In a lot of other co countries outside of America, it is called football. So he's not 100% wrong here. Listen, he's not 100% wrong. I'd also like to point out that uh, Galar region is technically based off of the UK, so I am He right. is right. He is actually right. <laughs> so uh, anyway... But yeah, like the whole theme of it is like, uh, think about ghost pepper. Like, that is pretty cool. You cannot hate that. So, like, ghost fire type Pokemon are some of my favorites because I think that Typhlosion, uh, fire ghost type uh, that we got, the Hisuian Typhlosion actually was really freaking awesome to take the concept of like his the flames around his, like his back and turn it into this kind of like, um, you know, what is that? Like a bunch of. Um, what are those things called? They're called, um... I don't know what you're talking about. I feel like you're making shit up. Are you talking about Wisp? <laughs> Wisp. Thank you, Fatty. <laughs> Wisp. I was Wisp. about to say, I was a little confused myself, bro. <laughs> but, um, but if you do have interest in Quaxley, uh, apparently he's supposed to be a kind of a pirate. If you take a look at Quaxley's, like, his hair, it almost kind of looks like the shape of a pirate hat. Almost. And then um, Sprigatito is apparently supposed to go for more of a, of a thief, so it would be like grass, you know, um, Typical grass fighting fucking was cat. the type. Yeah, even though grass fighting was the type that we got with Decidueye um, and Arceus, but I, I've, I've always taken a liking to the fire starters. I try not to stick with the same type through every generation. Like I chose Squirtle. Yeah, you gotta hold me like that. You ain't gotta <laughs> hold me like that. Yeah. <laughs> I, ch I chose Score Bunny uh, and Sword, and I chose uh, Grookey and Shield. So yeah. Scarlet and Violet, my main playthrough, I'm gonna start with Scarlet first. It's going to be Fuecoco, and then with um, 
uh, Violet is quoting a probably. I'm probably gonna go uh, Sprigatito. Yeah, um, I have. Uh, at, we're gonna have to decide. By the way, some one of you motherfuckers is playing Violet. I'm playing the main the main entry this time around because I got stuck with Shield <laughs> last time. So somebody <laughs> else here is playing Violet because I want Professor Mommy. <laughs> I volunteer. I mean Sada. My bad. I mean Sada. I mean Sada. Professor Sada. <laughs> Please Professor don't look up fan art of these characters on Google. Please oh, don't God, no. Yeah, that sounds hey, yo, awful. This ain't, that, this ain't that kind of podcast. Hey, it really <laughs> ain't. That's dude. our side mission after dark. <laughs> <laughs> well, Matt kind of hoed me already. No, we are not starting that. We got to make some money before we can start that. <laughs> but Matt kind of hoed me already. Yeah, I'm definitely going Sprigatito. One, because it's a cat. I mean, duh. And then I always typically choose the grass type. Uh, starter and people have asked me why I do that. So if you think about a Pokemon, do you think about the gym layout for Pokemon? And I obviously don't know. Scarlet and Violet could obviously change that. I said the same thing about Sword and Shield. Could very well change that. It can very well end up causing me to have to restart my playthrough. Um, if you think about typically the first gyms that you have to go through, typically you either have to, you have to go through the Rock type gym first. It's, it was like that with you know Diamond and Pearl. You know you have to go through them first. It's like that with the original games with you know red, blue, and yellow. You either have to go through them, or you have to go through the water-type gym. So my thought process has always been, if I take the grass-type and I can get that you know, that, that Pokemon evolved before I go to the first gym, I can blaze through the first couple of gyms and be okay. I can you know sprint through them, be okay, kind of power-level my other Pokemon, and let my grass starter pretty much carry me. And that's what I do typically, is I'll go in, and I typically won't use more than my starter unless it's necessary. So Sprigatito is certainly who... Uh, I'm looking forward to using, and the other reason, the other main reason is, and then you three will get a fucking kick out of this. Sprigatito is uh, described as a capricious, attention-seeking cat Pokemon. If that doesn't describe my cat Katara, nothing does. So shout out her. Uh, so that was a, a good question from Jacob. The next question, this is like one where me and Matt are going to be absolutely fucking useless because we're not big Halo guys. Uh, Kyle, I'm going to start with you. And this is, still, this is also from Jacob. Jacob's got this and one more question for us. Are you red team or blue team? That's a pretty simple question, but I would like some explanation on why you are the team you are. Red team, hands down, Sarge, because... Uh, <laughs> he said, Sarge! No, no, Uh-oh. Dirty blue bastards. <laughs> oh, Kyle, we're going to fight. We're going to fight, bro. Fall back, we're fall fight. back. Nope. Red team. <laughs> so Kyle, uh, so back of your blue because, team. you know what red is red is just a shade away from orange <laughs> <laughs> go balls baby i love kyle oh man uh, go ahead thacker why are you blue team i actually i am surprised that you both pick different teams i I see. Okay, listen. I know that this is a big Halo thing, and obviously, like I said, me and Matt don't have the most extensive Halo history. Uh, and I, I, I know obviously what it's from. Uh, I, I genuinely did not think this would be that divisive, though. Ooh, man, it's 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 a very heated episode now. Thank you, Kyle. Uh, <laughs> I am full-hearted <laughs> blue team because of two characters that make the entire show. It, it might as well rewrite the entire show and call it the Church and Caboose Show. That sounds kind of weird. I'm sorry. I don't like this. You know what? You know what blue sounds like? 
Boo. Oh, Boo. <laughs> just play it. I just want to say I, I understood that reference. <laughs> Man. Yeah. Dude. Uh, you you got to admit, though, even, even as a filthy red team member, right? <laughs> You have to at least give They are pretty the, funny, the, I'm not gonna lie. The dynamic duo of Church and Caboose. You have yes. to give it to them. The show might as well be called the Caboose and Church Show. Because I'm sorry, man, they make the entire team even though, yes, you still have Tucker, you still have Tex. Like Church and Caboose, hands down, best characters entire show. I give Sarge his props. But he kind of ass, bro. He kind of ass. I still haven't recovered from Kyle going red team, Sarge. I haven't gone I haven't recovered team, from that. Sarge. So that okay. So that was divisive. So Matt, I'm gonna go wow. to you for uh, this next, this last one from Jacob. Uh, and it's it's, I'm 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 gonna try to like understand what he's asking here. I understand like what he's asking about, but I'm assuming he's asking if we think it's gonna happen. Matt, this is a game that has been like. That people have wanted to see for years. This is a, I don't want to say a sequel because it would technically be the third in its series. This is a game that people have wanted to see for years. Matt, when I tell you this is the final part of a trilogy, and it's the second one is pretty old and it's considered one of the best games of all time, what game do you think I'm talking about? Okay. And it's a, this so... is this is a game that doesn't exist. What do you think I'm talking about? Okay, so there's two games in it, and people have been waiting for a third game? Yes, and the second is considered one of the best of all time. Oh, don't tell me. It's Half-Life 3. It is Half-Life 3. Oh, I so I knew it. I knew so, it. <laughs> do, I, guess, I guess the first place to start is, do we think Half-Life 3 will ever happen? And I, I'll be honest, and this may be just cutting this question short, I don't believe Half-Life 3 will ever happen. I think that people have been clamoring for it for well over a decade, and I think at a certain point... You do need to kind of just abandon any hope that you're going to get it. That sounds awful when I'm saying it. Um, I've never played Half-Life. I've never played any game in the series. I've heard great things about the series, about Half-Life Alex. I've heard great things about them. It just wasn't really a gaming series that interested me personally. Um, Matt, what about you? Do you think Half-Life 3 ever happens? Um, well, I'm going to say no because Valve doesn't believe in the number three. As we can that too. Yeah. clearly see... But I know that Half-Life, um, Alex came out and supposedly it hinted towards the future of the series. Um, I have not played it myself, not owning a VR. Same. But I do know a lot about the, the history of the games, like how popular it is. I personally have never played it myself, but I do know that I can recognize Gordon Freeman. I can recognize the logo. Um, and I also like everybody loves the spinoff from Half-Life Portal. Um, yeah. It, this, this is a series that's not going to go mm. away anytime soon. Um, and as far as Half-Life 3, I have been on message boards for the past 20 years. Yeah. And I tell you, like, there was one year that Gabe Newell came up on stage at a PlayStation event. Everybody was like, okay, this could be it. This could be the big announcement. Where It was just him announcing Portal 2 will be on PlayStation 3. <laughs> <laughs> the so, heartbreak. The that's heartbreak. sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that as long as, you know, the fans are demanding it and the fact that half-life alex was even made and the fact that they went as far as to hint towards a future of the series i don't think that people should give up hope yet like gordon freeman is a a well-known character like i've seen him win in polls that people are like who's one of the best video game characters and 
I I hope so because I love it when a franchise, you know, for fans get to play that love that love a series and that just you know abruptly ends. Like I think it was Half Life Two episode episode one. A lot of people were actually were expecting the next game to be Half Life Two episode two, but that never came. But the next big step would be Half Life Three. So just I guess keep yeah keep. Keep getting on Bow's ass about it, honestly. <laughs> you know, I just don't see it personally. That's just me. I, I ask, I'll ask, I'll answer this question with a question of my own. If not now, then when? Like, if it hasn't happened yet, I just don't see it happening, period. That's just me. I don't know. Again, I don't have any experience with the Half Life franchise. I've heard nothing but great things, and I will give it its props. Uh, I know that Half Life 2 is considered, you know, one of the greatest games of all time. And that it was very, it, it was, I don't want to say a trailblazer. It basically, it revolutionized a lot of things in gaming today. Um, so I, I just don't see Half-Life 3 happening. I would love to be wrong, though. Um, last question. And Matt, once again, me and you get to be useless here. <laughs> but it'll be all good. Kyle, I'm going to go to you because, to be honest, you're the biggest Call of Duty player I know. You, you've seemingly, when it comes, whether it's Damascus, whether it's Dark Matter, uh... I know outside of Vanguard, you've obviously grinded every Call of Duty that's come out since we've started this podcast, and really since I've known you. Uh, so the question is: This comes from Brendan. This comes from this comes from uh, another Thacker. From the mini Thacker. This comes from mini Thack. Uh, mini Thacker. Mini Thacker. <laughs> that's that sounds so wrong. <laughs> that this is side mission after dark. Uh, oh no. And this is a, this is. Part. Actually, a war zone. This is actually a war zone question, and it's okay. should the stem tactical be nerfed in in Modern Warfare Two? Yes, they should take it out. Wow. Is okay. Is it really that bad? Is yeah, it really that bad? Honestly, I don't. I didn't know this. So with the stem in, so it was a big problem, and I had it. I played a lot of multiplayer in Modern Warfare Twenty Nineteen, and I did not like. How I could, you know, put half a mag into somebody and they could stim and just quickly come right back to full health. I have to then, you know, rely on the rest of my mag to possibly kill you or reload. And, you know, if they're stimming, they can just aim the gun and shoot me while I'm, you know, caught in the middle of a reload. That's honestly why I played hardcore a lot, though, because you don't really have time for a stim. It's like two bullets and you're dead. But, uh, yeah, I... I actually was not a big fan of that item to begin with because I felt like it was always kind of OP. Um, you could maybe give a perk that allows you to recover health a little faster, but you shouldn't be able to just instantly jump back up to 100 like, you know, you can with the stim. See, I've, I'm half and half with you, Kyle. I, I think for basic multiplayer, it should be allowed. Um I do believe it needs to be nerfed, though, because you said it best. You can empty almost an entire clip on somebody, and they can stim shot and be right back to full health. But I feel like for Warzone, it needs to either be gone or needs to be kind of like... Um, I wouldn't say a perk. I would say more so like how Dead Silence and the deployable shield are uh field upgrades okay i feel like it could be something like that to where it's a little bit more valuable than just being an everyday tactical equipment otherwise you're looking at what a lot of 
people who play Warzone are looking at where they're emptying whole clips, having to reload, just to be taken down by somebody stem shotting. It's it's a little bit of a broken weapon or item. Is it really that bad? Again, I don't play a lot of Warzone. I want to get into it as it starts, but is it really that bad? Like that, you know, you could empty a full clip and somebody still end up killing you just because of that? Uh yes. Um Rusty, I know when Call of Duty four came out, uh Call of Duty Black Ops four came out, we played a couple of the Battle Royale there. Yeah. Um a lot of the times where it felt like we had killed somebody, but they weren't down, that's from that stem shot. That's that's how broken that item is. Yeah, that's pretty yeah, that's pretty freaking broken, I'm not gonna lie. Well, yeah. that is uh, that is the last question that we had, and I, I don't know about y'all. I'd say that these were these were six pretty good questions. They ranged in topics, and I liked it. I liked the way this episode went. So I would absolutely love absolutely. to do this again if we you know need to fill a date, if we need to you know find some content. And as as I said at the start of this, if you want to send us a question. You can send it through all of. You can send it to any of us personally. You can send it to our Facebook page at Side Mission Podcast. You can send it to our Twitter page at Side Mission Pod. Uh, TikTok is the same as the Facebook. You can send it to any of us, and we will absolutely answer it if we need the episode, and, if, and you know, and if you know, we get enough because this this was actually a fun episode. So that's gonna do it for us. You can follow us online at all of the social medias I just mentioned. Uh, so. That's going to wrap us up. I don't know what that was just there. It's late. I'm at stupid hours of the night right now. So, for Matt, for Kyle, for Thacker, I'm Rusty. Thanks for listening. Oh, balls.